Welcome to Episcopals, bringing you the latest in faith-based advocacy from the Episcopal Church Office of Government Relations. Hello, I'm Alan Yarborough, the Church Relations Officer with the Episcopal Church Office of Government Relations, and I'm here with our policy advisor, Rashad Thomas. Hello, everyone. My name is Rashad Thomas. I'm a policy advisor actually an outgoing policy advisor with the Episcopal Church Office of Government Relations. I have been in post for the last three and a half years, but I am moving on um, in late March. I'm not sure when this will hit your podcast feed, but um, probably by the time you hear it, I will have moved on. But it's been a pleasure and a blessing to work for the Office of Government Relations for the last three and a half years and uh, to work with folks like Alan. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, thanks, Rashad, and it has been great to work with you. Uh, sorry to to be losing you, but excited for for your next adventure, uh, and grateful for the time we have had together. Uh, we'll be talking today, uh, doing a deeper dive into one of the pieces of legislation that our office works on, uh, and even then, this is mainly focused on the domestic side of what's called the Farm Bill. Uh, so, Rashad, I wonder if you could just start us off with something fairly straightforward. Uh, what is the Farm Bill? That's a great question, Alan. So the Farm Bill is the piece of legislation that authorizes all of the fantastic activities of the Department of Agriculture. So we think of things like um, uh, farm insurance, insurance for farmers, um, the extension programs that the Department of Agriculture runs, um, the subsidies to um, ethanol producers, et cetera. So all the all the sort of traditional ag sort of things. What we as an office and as an Episcopal church are more concerned about with regard to the farm bill is the nutrition titles. So the farm bill authorizes all of the federal food assistance programs. So the, the one that most people are familiar with is called Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program or SNAP, also colloquially known as food stamps. Um, but but some other programs as well. So um, it's the the primary means by which the federal government provides assistance to folks who can't afford to pay for their food and and for children as well, um, adults and kids. So um, it's a very important piece of legislation. The the nutrition title is a a massive part of the bill, and and the farm bill aspect of it is the authorization. So this is the, the part of it that gives the federal government, the Department of Agriculture, the authority to run the program and, and sets all the policies about things like who qualifies for nutrition assistance and, and that sort of thing. Um, when we talk about the appropriations aspect, that's the, the funding. So how much money the program gets. But this is the authorization. And the Farm Bill authorization only comes up every five years. So the last time we went through this fund process was 2018. Um, so we're in a, a new day with the, the next upcoming authorization of a reauthorization of the Farm Bill. Great, great. Thanks for that uh, explanation. And, you know, this type of anti-poverty work, I think, is so, uh, so central to what many Episcopalians are engaged in through their parishes, through their dioceses, um, often through sort of direct ministry. Um, and we, we talk in our office uh, quite a bit when we do do advocacy trainings about you know how while there are many programs implemented by churches including Episcopal churches uh, many of them also implement programs that are funded through 
the U.S. government uh, in different ways. Uh, and of course, you know, you mentioned several programs here. Um, I'm recording this uh, today um, from a small parish in Long Island that has a garden. They do a, a, a sort of a farmer's market every Sunday during the growing season in the summer. Uh, and they're actually set up to, to accept, um, accept those food stamps, to accept that as a form of payment uh, for the produce that they have here. Uh, just a small example of sort of this merging of uh, of the government uh, and, and government programs and what the church does on the ground. Uh, but I wonder if you could expand on that. You know, why, why does the Episcopal Church care about farm labor? That's a great point, Alan. Um, I was planning on mentioning my own parish in Northern Virginia, Grace Episcopal Church in Alexandria, had to give, give us a shout out. We have a feeding ministry as well. We have a, a food pantry that um, serves the community two days a week. Cool. And a lot of the support that we get is also from the, the state as well. So, you know, Episcopalians and other Christians and other, you know, folks who are not even Christian, any sort of faith community organization, um, it would be familiar with this sort of feeding ministry. Churches all throughout this country have um, soup kitchens and food pantries, et cetera, do brown bag lunches and feed the homeless on the streets, all that sort of thing. That's that's central to who we are as Christians. It is a, a central aspect of the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior. And for us to to live into um, the gospel, it, we have to be, be standing in the gap for those who cannot um, afford to feed themselves. That's just, I mean, it's, it's sort of a, a, to my mind, a very basic aspect of calling ourselves a Christian and um, living into our baptismal covenant. Now, with the, the policy aspect of it, I think the important thing to remember is that while we as people of faith are very much committed to the work of feeding ministries, and we do the work joyfully and in fulfillment of our faith and in service of our dear Lord, we can't do it alone. Um, the federal government has such capacity and such reach with the resources that it commands through through taxes, you know, um, that it would be a dereliction of duty for us not to uh, petition the federal government to use those resources to help alleviate the the um, the hunger crisis. And we do have a hunger crisis in this country. There, there are you know, we are the wealthiest nation in the history of the world but we still have millions and millions of people throughout our country who go to bed hungry at night, who cannot afford to put food on the table for themselves or for their families. And then there are also the folks who have access to nutrition assistance through to food stamps, et cetera. Absent that federal assistance, those people would not be able to put food on the table as well. So I think it's vital that we as people of faith in our interactions with our representatives and lawmakers in Congress, we demand that they care for the least of these in all of their considerations in policymaking. We have to be there standing in the gap for people who don't have high-powered lobbyists and, and well-paid well lobbyists to advocate for them. Um, there are so many powerful interests you, you and I know very well from our advocacy work um, who who go to Congress asking for um, for things for people who have everything, but as Christians, as people who follow the way of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ who was a who is uh, not was 
because he is a living God who is a God of the poor, a God of the dispossessed, a God of the people who have nothing. Our Lord walks with those who have nothing. So we as followers of Jesus Christ have to do the same. And in our particular vocation as policy advocates, um, that is our, our mandate. So that's why we, we advocate for um, food assistance and nutrition assistance in Congress. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, grounding this, uh, this topic in you know, our scriptural call. So turning to the, back to the Farm Bill in particular, um, what are some of the proposals to improve our country's nutrition programs, our food assistance programs uh, that are either sort of renewals or even new things for consideration right now? That's a great question. So there are a number of proposals out there that would strengthen the reach of our nutrition programs. Um, some would, would reduce the work requirements that are a part of the SNAP program currently. So basically, we have requirements that folks who are on SNAP have meet a minimum number of, of, um, of work requirements in order to be eligible for the program. It would be preferable to just feed people who need to be fed because they are human beings who need to be fed. Um, so our priority is to, to um, make the program as accessible to low-income Americans as possible. So um, things like work requirements put up barriers to um, folks accessing those programs. There are other pro proposals to recalculate the way um, the benefit amount is, is calculated for uh, folks on SNAP. As we know very well, all of us in our daily lives, inflation is substantial in our country currently, and that applies to folks who have SNAP benefits as well. Um, the benefits have not kept up with or the benefit levels have not kept up with the um, the rate of inflation. So recalculating how benefits are um, are calculated would help folks to be able to afford more food on their um, SNAP benefits. Other proposals would make it make the nutrition profile of the food that SNAP benefits pay for better, so that folks who are on SNAP can access healthy, nutritious meals that really feed their bodies um, in a good way, not just providing them with fuel, with fuel, but, you know, we have so many challenges in our country with, um, with obesity and, and uh, food deserts, lack of access to fresh fruits and vegetables, helping to, to make um, those things available to um, SNAP beneficiaries as well. So those are some of the, the major priorities to improve the SNAP program. You know, this farm bill is, is a pretty significant piece of legislation. There are a lot of components to it. What are some of the proposals out there uh, that might weaken our nutrition programs and, and why might it be problematic? Sure. So there are a number of proposals to both further restrict access to SNAP benefits. So changing the eligibility requirements so that fewer people are able to access SNAP benefits increasing work requirements, for instance, is one of those proposals. Additionally, there are proposals to reduce the statutory amount that is spent on SNAP. We are currently in the midst of a game of chicken regarding the debt ceiling, and a number of um, congressional Republicans in, in key positions, including the, um, the chair of the Ag Appropriations Subcommittee, 
have muted the the prospect of substantially reducing nutrition assistance from food assistance in an effort to balance the budget. I want to say very, very clearly that as an Episcopal church, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are opposed to balancing the federal budget on the backs of the poor. That is a dereliction of our moral duty to care for the least of these. Um, and doing so, reducing SNAP benefits um, in, in the quest of, of um, balancing the budget, especially when those proposals seek to hold harmless people who have everything, the high income folks, by not increasing tax revenue, um, to us is morally problematic. So in, in our advocacy, we make that case to lawmakers that um, it's important not to balance the budget on the backs of the poor. Our value system is that um, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So um, the people who are last in this equation who should be first are people who rely on um, federal nutrition assistance in order to put food on the table. So uh, definitely we stand four square against those proposals. Given the situation in Congress with divided government, the Republican Party controls the House of Representatives, the Democratic Party controls the Senate and the White House, you know, there, there will be a negotiation about the both the farm bill itself and the, the issue of, of um, what will be cut or, or what have you with the debt ceiling um, and with appropriations later on in the year. But regardless of where those negotiations go, our bedrock fundamental priority is not to balance the federal budget on the backs of the poor. Great. Those are, uh, you know, important uh, fundamentals to keep in mind. So in some ways, this work is, is never ending. Um, but you know, I want to ask sort of a, a, a big question here. Uh, do you think it's possible to end hunger in America? I absolutely think it's possible. The United States is a country that produces a ridiculous amount of food. <laughs> Not ridiculous, but, but it's a lot. We have some of the most fertile agricultural um, land in the world. We, as I mentioned earlier, we are the wealthiest country in the history of the world. And many of us, many people in our country have too much food, the food waste that we have in our country. Um, you know, the, we, we are a land of flowing with milk and honey in many respects. We have plenty as a society. It's just a matter of allocation. Um, lots of people have, have a lot. Many, many people have too little or nothing at all. So getting the balance right of allowing the getting getting resources to the people who don't have a lot is a is a policy challenge it's a policy challenge that i believe is entirely surmountable we just have to have the will to to make it so um so yes i i am optimistic about the prospect of ending hunger in our society um i know that we will continue to to fight for that priority many of our partners um, there are many, many people in this country who um, who work in the advocacy space as in here in Washington, but also on the ground in, in churches and community organizations and synagogues and mosques, temples, etc., um, who are firmly committed to 
ending hunger in America. And with that many good people working so tenaciously to accomplish this goal, I think we're unstoppable. And we have the added benefit of having the Lord on our side. So with, with the Lord on our side, we can do anything. Amen. Amen. So for, you know, thinking about these, these people uh, that you're mentioning and, and uh, drawing optimism from, I, I love this. Uh, I think that includes folks listening to us uh, today. Uh, so how, how can people get involved? What are some ways, uh, recommendations you have for, for the individuals tuning in uh, and how they can help and join in this work? Well, if they're listening to this podcast, they're already on the right track because they're connected with the Episcopal Public Policy Network. So I encourage you folks to check your emails and make sure you respond when EPPN sends out an action alert on the Farm Bill, which I'm sure will occur at some point this year. And then also, I would encourage you to attend our Congress weekly um, calls on Thursday afternoons, if you're on the East Coast, Thursday morning, if you're on the West Coast, um, and to, to get briefings on on what's going on on the Hill. The Farm Bill is going to be, it has been a, a huge priority for our office this year. So you will continue to get regular updates from us on progress on the Farm Bill. And we'll, we'll uh, things will heat up certainly as the year goes on in, in Congress. And then also I would encourage you to look to some of our partner organizations that provide a lot of really good research and advocacy as well. Organizations like um, the Food Research and Action Center, FRAC, um, and then also Mazone, a Jewish response to hunger. It's a great organization to be connected with. And then also the Christian organization, Bread for the World. They are they are all organizations that work 100% of the time on ending hunger in, in our society. Episcopal Church Office of Government Relations has a bunch of other issues that we work on as well. So this is one of many things, but those organizations are committed exclusively to hunger issues. So connecting with them to get more information and to follow things that are, that are happening on the Hill is a really great idea. And then also, I would encourage anyone who is able-bodied and, and has the time to volunteer in a, a feeding ministry in your parish, if you have one, or at another church in your community or another um, faith community in, in your town or, or your city. Um, getting up close and personal and seeing the, 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 the human beings who face the challenge of hunger in our society will really open your eyes to see that, you know, it, it hunger touches so many lives and these are fellow human beings they're not just you know throwaway people they're not just people that you can just put out of your mind as a christian it is our obligation as followers of jesus christ to care for the the le less fortunate than us um, to do what we can to stand in the gap and that doesn't mean you as an individual have to solve you know world hunger or, or hunger in the United States, or even hunger in your own community. But doing what you can, where you can, in your little corner of the world is the first step to changing the world. So I would encourage everyone to, um, to engage in that work as and when you can. Great. Thank you for that, uh, that call to action there, uh, Rashad. And, and for our conversation today, you know, reminding us uh, of the humanity of others, reminding us that we uh, even though the tasks are, are great, we're not in this alone. Uh, we work 
as she mentioned, our office works with other organizations. Uh, we need people who are listening to this call to join in calls to action with us. Uh, we need the relationship building that comes from our government advocacy, but it also comes from that, that direct volunteering uh, through parish ministries. And, and of course, we're not alone in the sense of the support that we have uh, uh, from our faith communities, from God uh, seeing us through. So again, thanks for your time. Uh, thanks for doing a, a bit of a deep dive here into an important piece of legislation that, yes, absolutely, our network will be hearing quite a bit about over the course of the next two months, uh, including the international elements that we, we didn't touch on today. Um, so thanks again, Rashad, and best of luck in your next endeavor. Really appreciate uh, working with you and, and look forward to connecting again in the future. Thank you so much, Alan. It has been a pleasure to work with you and the rest of the OGR team for the last three and a half years. Um, and I know that, you know, I, it's sad that I'm leaving, but, but I know that the work will continue at the same level of professionalism and um, expertise as, as it has done for the last many years. So, and you will definitely continue to be in my prayers and everyone um, within the sound of my voice as well. Take care. Thanks. The Office of Government Relations aims to represent the policy priorities of the Episcopal Church to the U.S. government in Washington, D.C., and to influence policy and legislation on critical issues, all while highlighting voices and experiences of Episcopalians and Anglicans globally. The Office facilitates the Episcopal Public Policy Network, a grassroots network of Episcopalians engaged in the Ministry of Public Policy Advocacy. Take action and learn more by following the links in the description. The Episcopal's podcast is produced by the staff of the Office of Government Relations with support from our podcast engineer, Ellie Singer, and project manager, Chris Sikama. Thanks for listening and join us next time on Episcopal's. You're invited to join thousands of Episcopalians, neighbors, and friends this summer at the Love Always Revival at the KFC Yum Center in Louisville, Kentucky. On Saturday, June 22nd, get immersed in inspiring worship and community, deepen your love for God, kick off the 81st General Convention, and extend a warm welcome to folks discovering the Episcopal Church. The revival is free to attend, so bring your friends. If you're from a neighboring diocese, check in with your diocesan revival champion to find out about group travel options. You can find more information along with registration at iam.edu ec slash love always.